At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. And if you were listening on Wednesday, I am another year older, actually, if you can believe it. So that's very exciting. Uh, not as exciting, though, as betting on some hockey. Yes, I have made the transition over to hockey now that we have no more football left. Uh, so Tuesday night hockey, I did some Sharks at Ducks action because I was trying to do a little L.A. Bay mix, if you will. Uh, the Sharks uh, at Ducks over five and a half for me. That one in the second period, it was three to three by the end of that. And then Sharks money line plus 135. The Sharks have been terrible. They're on what, a six game losing streak now. But if there was going to be a time they're going to get a win, maybe it was against this Ducks team. Uh, and they did almost get it done, uh, but they lost in shootout fashion four to three. I was nervous at the end there of the, well, really the whole third period because I did think we were coming down to a shootout even after it entered into overtime. So I figured in that situation, the Ducks had the advantage and it turns out they did because they ended up winning. Nevertheless, it was exciting to bet on hockey again uh, because I actually kind of missed it, especially because hockey is hilarious because it's very hard to handicap because there are just little things that can happen. Just the way that the little tiny puck bounces off the glass. Uh, does anyone actually know where that thing's going? No, we don't. Uh, and yet we're betting on this. Uh, but to give us a little bit more insight than all of that glorious insight that I just gave, Annie McNeil, who is our uh, VSIN NHL analyst, uh, VSIN, of course, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, he is going to join the show on Friday because the Kings and the Ducks, the two LA teams, if you will, even though the Ducks are technically Anaheim, yes, I'm aware, uh, they will be squaring up on the on the ice on Friday night, so a little LA matchup, and also NBA action, Lakers and Clippers, so we'll have JVT on for that as well, our senior NBA analyst. Lots of great things coming on Friday, but before we get there... A uh, couple of people also, just a handful of people, have mentioned Women's March Madness to me uh, on Twitter or in passing, actually, in person, if you can believe it. Um, and you might wonder where. Where would that happen? At the grocery store, Danielle? No. Uh, so I also am the in-game host, MC for the UCLA basketball games. I do all of the men's games and about half the women's games. And that's really just because that's what works with my... Uh, work schedule um, to fit in because the women's games just happen to be on on different days that are a little bit more difficult for me. I love working the women's games. That said, I was working a men's game and someone came up and asked me from the crowd and said, hey, because they listen to the Los Angeles City cast of all things. Um, so I appreciate that person, probably one of 10 listeners. I appreciate all of you. Uh, and they asked about it. So with that said, I'm really excited because you don't get to battle all the games during the season for the women's college basketball. But 
with March Madness, which officially is going to be used for both men's and women's tournament this year, which why did it take this long? Uh, now you can get lines on everything, right? But so that includes every game of March Madness for women's uh, and also the futures, of course, for this as well. Um, the great thing about this is it's kind of an unsaturated betting market. It can be kind of a good thing in terms of finding, you know, value. Um, there's obviously less handicapping resources given to these smaller or what I believe my uh, great mentor Gil Alexander would call niche markets. He likes to bet tennis. I love to bet the WNBA and I'm going to tiptoe into this W or this women's March Madness this year as well. I don't think there might've been a couple games I bet on last year, but I was mo mostly focused on men. So this year I'm definitely excited to dive into this women's March Madness. Um, and look for some value and just kind of keep in mind that odds are also going to be affected less by public money and perception because there's just less of that happening with these smaller markets. Um, some cool facts. Uh, I know if you have been paying any kind of attention, you've heard that UConn has been the dominant force in women's basketball and the college sphere for a long time. And it makes sense. They're 11 time champions, but you might not know if you haven't been paying close attention, they haven't actually won since, uh, 2016. And that was when what, four-time most outstanding player, Brianna Stewart. Maybe you've heard of her, Seattle Storm now. Uh, she left for the WNBA in 2016, and they haven't won since then. So uh, Paige Buker, um, Beckers, who you've probably heard of, suffered an injury last year. She's been kind of a big face in women's basketball over the last year. Huge NIL deal. Uh, she's on UConn, obviously looking to get them back on track and get them back uh, in the first place spot. Here's some trends too. These are via Sports Betting Dime, by the way. This is kind of a cool article that I saw, um, so go check that out. But at least one of the number one seeds have made it to the Final Four every year. That's pretty much what we would expect, right? Even from the men's side of things. But it's just a little bit more. The best of the best end up in the end for the women. Um, only four times did all four number one seeds make it to the Final Four. It was 89, 2012, 2015, and 2018. So a lot as of recently. Um, and then another thing to keep in mind with these women's basketball tournaments, and again, we'll get into this more later in March. I just figured, you know, we're going to talk about men's college basketball today. Why not talk about the women's first real quick? Early upsets, very rare, very rare in women's basketball coming up, um, especially since they expanded the team uh, to that 64 tournament team in 94. So uh, one seeds are, just to give you perspective here, one seeds are 103 to 1 against 16 seeds. So yeah, you can imagine what the lines for those games are going to be. And then also for two and three seeds, they're each 104 and zero. They're just undefeated against 14 and 15 seeds respectively. So we'll see if we can parlay any of that or make any of that worthwhile, but uh, it should be a fun time. Anyways, something to keep in mind, sportsbooks are also sometimes like slower to adjusting betting lines for those kind of sports. Um, and they receive, obviously, less betting volume. So we, we can find an edge here, guys. And we will find them together on the Los Angeles CityCast. Now then, in today's show, we're going to talk men's college hoops. As promised, we'll take a look at UCLA's win over ASU on Monday night. That was a fun one. And also preview their Thursday game, UCLA at Oregon. And also USC on the road at Oregon State. The absolute worst team in the Pac-12 right now. All of that coming up. But first things first, we'll check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. So in the NBA, Lakers right now, 20 to 1 to win the West. This was 15 last time we checked, guys, and now 20. They are 40 to 1 to win the championship. I believe that was at 35. It's gotten a little bit longer. Maybe over at Bet Rivers, nobody's taking a bite on the Lakers right now. And I can't imagine why. You know, the Russell Westbrook thing has been going so well. LeBron James has been carrying them on their back like he's Atlas. 
that looks like a championship winning team, right? Oh, when Anthony Davis is out for, you know, four to six weeks, right? Who knows? As for the Clippers, 50 to one to win the West, 100 to one to win the championship. They were what? They've been bouncing around on Bet Rivers. They were 60 to one. They were 80 to one. They're back up to 100 to one. Um, and it just makes you wonder if somebody knows something about, are we going to see Kawhi back this season? And it's such a boring thing to have to talk about every time I bring up the Clippers, but it is the biggest question mark hanging over these teams. And luckily you won't have to hear just me talk about that because Friday, as promised, we'll have Jonathan Montobel on to talk all about the Lakers and Clippers game on Friday. As for college basketball, like I said, two games Thursday, UCLA at Oregon and USC at Oregon State. No lines for this just yet. Uh, but as always, follow me on Twitter at Danielle Avari if you want to see what I actually end up betting. Usually I end up going against all of my logic that I put together for you, all of my beautiful numbers, uh, and then have to go back and hedge myself and, and do a bunch of fancy footwork just to come out ahead. So let's not do that this time. I think we're going to go with how this handicap is meant to be broken down. UCLA right now, 22 to one to win the tournament and USC 60 to one to win it all. Would not bite that USC line. No, could not, could not pay me to. And 22 is not nearly enough for UCLA. And I did bet them at the start of the season. I don't remember what number I got right now off the top of my head, but I want to say it was around this. So it wasn't like super tasty. I think they got as long as 35. I think that was maybe the highest I've seen. Um, so we'll see. You know, they almost spontaneously combusted at the end of last season. I don't want to see that happen again, but uh, maybe it gets you better odds. I don't know. As for the NHL, Kings, yes, the Los Angeles Kings are in action at the Coyotes. They're in the desert of Arizona. And on the puck line, Kings minus one and a half, plus 114. On the money line, minus 220. Heavy favorite here. Coyotes on the puck line, plus one and a half at minus 136. And money line, plus 185. Again, puck line for new, similar to run line, which we see in baseball. It just means the Kings have to win by more than one and a half goals to cover that. So two goals or more. Uh, minus one and a half, you're getting plus 114. Sometimes it's a little bit better value than the money line. For example, here is minus 220. I would never lay a minus two, well, not never, but usually would not lay minus 220. So maybe you look at something like the puck line. In this situation, I wouldn't necessarily. I think this is going to be a cl close contest. And again, this is coming from someone who's just starting to tip her toes back into hockey. Um, but take it for what it's worth. I do think... These teams played recently. It was pretty high scoring. I think it was five to three Kings. Um, I've seen a total at five and a half at Bet Rivers six right now. Slightly juiced to the under minus one twenty one. If you get a six, maybe you look to an under because maybe that ends up being a push. I like the over in this. I don't know why. You know, I, I like the over. You can find all these odds and make your own decisions at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Now let's talk about some college basketball. So UCLA. Uh, up first here because they played most recently on Monday night. They are number 12 in the AP rankings now uh, after, I believe they were 13 last week, so a little bit of movement after their sweep of the Washington schools. Really great basketball out of them, especially with such interesting lineups. More on that in a moment. But ASU at UCLA, UCLA was a 14-point favorite on Bet Rivers um, at one point, but leading up to the game, I mostly saw 13 and a halves. Total was 133.5. UCLA won this one 66 to 52. So quick math there. It's a push on plus 14. But like I said before tip, mostly 13.5. So that is a major bummer if you bet the Sun Devils at 13.5. Um, you know, 
that's the way it cracks. It's, it's almost like these bookmakers know what they're doing. Uh, but it's kind of unfortunate too, because I think UCLA had a 17 was their largest lead in this game. And it really seemed like this was going to really be a blowout. And it, it was in some regards, but um, I just mean in terms of this cover, I'm sure there was people on the edge of their seats at the end because Arizona brought it close. They did. I think they were within three at one point, and there were fans that were cheering so loud when this got to, you know, more closer and closer to the spread. And I said, oh, I can tell who's betting in this arena. Uh, the total went way under. I actually had tried to get really cute with things, and that's always a bad idea. Um, but I had a first half bet over 61 and a half and Bruins to win it because Bruins to win the half was, I don't know, minus 300 or higher. Uh, minus 700? I don't know. It was really big. Um, but I paired that up. That was like plus 135 or something. But I quickly saw I should have stuck with my gut and numbers. The numbers. If you know, we broke down this game in the last podcast. And I said, this is going to be an under game. Not to mention UCLA coming off playing Washington Thursday, Saturday, and then having to play Monday. And then now going on the road to Oregon. Again, more on that in a moment. But lots and lots of games for this UCLA team. So... Looked, I mean, a lot of shots falling short, if you will. So definitely looked tired. Legs were tired. Um, so as soon as I saw this, about five to seven minutes into the game, I got under 131 and a half full game. I double uniteded it, so I would still come away with a profit. Um, that worked out nicely. So that saved my butt. Thank you, live betting, once again. Um, it kind of sucks when you have to do that and double back. But it just goes to show if you have a idea of how you think a game is going to play out ahead of the game and you're pretty confident about it, Play it that way, and then you can live bet adjust in-game, sure. Um, but yeah, I tried to get too cute with this first half bet. I just thought 61.5, it sounded low, uh, but UCLA's defense showed up big. Um, and so did ASU's, frankly. The start of that game was very, very chippy and really throughout the game. So really great defense on both sides of the ball. Uh, UCLA shot 39.6% and 30% from three. Not to mention 18 of 20 from the line for 80%. And then ASU shot 40% and 26.3% from three. Let's talk about Jalen Clark. He's been heating up. Big breakout game for him versus Washington State last week and then continued that versus Washington. And then in this game, now the point line might not be as flashy, but if you were at this game, it was still so much fun to watch Jalen Clark. 16 points, nine rebounds in his third straight start. Crowd loved him especially on that steel fast break dunk in the final 30 seconds, which was very similar to a play we saw from him at the end of the half as well. Um, so, so much fun and just so much to bring to this team defensively and offensively. So it's cool that we're starting to see that offensive side of him kind of come out and him get more confident in that. He said after the game, I feel like for this team, I'm the energizer bunny. I try to be as animated as possible after making crazy plays like that just to get everybody going. I love taking the ball and going down, lighting up. So he certainly did that, and this team certainly needed it because there's been a real rotation of players over these last three games, which is completely understandable if only for the sake of saving some energy for this long stretch of games in such a short period of time. But it hasn't even been that because it's been really unfortunate kind of events for UCLA. Monday night, Tiger Campbell and Peyton Watson didn't play, so versus ASU. Apparently, in case you missed it, Tiger hurt his left shoulder on the first possession of Saturday's game against Washington. You may have missed it because he did play the rest of the game. He participated in shoot-around on Monday, but his shoulder hurt too much to play. I think we're going to see him. I think we'll be fine, but definitely beat up, and it makes sense. There's been a lot of games. And have you seen Tiger Campbell play? He plays full speed into, into the net most of the time. Um, and into the stands, into the crowds of media underneath the net. 
Peyton Watson on the other side are also injured his left knee in that same game. No idea how bad that one was. It looked like he was in a good amount of pain. Um, I'd be more concerned with that one than the Tiger Campbell one in terms of severity. But I think in terms of what this team needs to get by and continue to be well, it's going to be really important to have Tiger back in more than Peyton, um, even though I am a huge Peyton Watson fan. I love watching this guy play as well. Similar reasons to Jalen Clark, just because he's just such a ham sometimes. Not that Jalen is, but uh, Peyton certainly is. So we'll miss the, that on the court. After the game, Sun Devils coach Bobby Hurley said UCLA challenged everything. I think that was the finest defensive performance we've faced all year. And, of course, that's what you're going to say after you lose the game. But I do love that, and I do agree with it. I think that, actually, like I said, both sides uh, were really great defensively. And it's good to see from UCLA because over the last three games, that's been looking a lot sharper, been looking more like the UCLA defense that I've come to love. And they're going to need that for their Thursday night game. So... Thursday night, UCLA at Oregon. So, you may remember the last time these two teams played, but if you don't, let's run it back. UCLA lost at home to Oregon, 84-81 on January 13th. Yeah, they lost in Poly Pavilion by three. How did that happen? Uh, especially because the line for this game was UCLA minus 9.5. Total was 141.5. So, the overhit, which again means UCLA was not doing its job on the defensive side of things, and you know also Oregon, really well coached, and only thing going for them right now is their offense. They won and they covered. Like I said, not UCLA's best defensive effort, but keep in mind this was a no fans game, so UCLA had to pump in that fake crowd noise, which like, ugh, no. Uh, they did allow relatives of coaches and players in the arena, but that's not nearly a true game environment at all, any stretch of the imagination. So very, very different situation for UCLA there. Um, but that said, taking that out of the equation, UCLA just missed too many shots here. Um, Jules Bernard went 3 of 13. Tiger Campbell was 3 of 10. And Jaime Hawkes was 2 of 6 from the floor. Uh, meanwhile, for Oregon, it just happened to be head coach Dana Altman's 700th win. And those are the kind of things that sometimes people consider in a handicap uh, because there's a little bit of weight to it, maybe. Uh, I didn't look at that leading into this game. This would be his 700th win, but I certainly looked like they were playing like that, and they certainly got up to play this Bruins team. And this was also, again, back in January, uh, where UCLA, I believe it was their second loss of the entire season. The first one was from Gonzaga. So you better believe that every team in the Pac-12 who comes to play UCLA wants to beat them. Uh, by the stats, this was really neck and neck. Um, I think it was an uncharacteristic game for UCLA on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think we'll see that again. They've shored things up over the last three games, kind of got back to their style. They limited opponents to 56 points, 50 points, and 52 points in their last three. So no one scored more than 56. They even held USC to 67 points in a game that they should have lost by a mile. And they did lose, but they lost by three, I think. So that's something. It's defense, at least. <laughs> that was the game where the offense was horrible. When we talk about rest for these two teams, Oregon's last game was Saturday, February 19th. So, what, five days rest for them here headed into this game? The Bruins played, as I have mentioned many times, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. So three games in five days. Now they're on the road with three days rest in air quotes here. Uh, I don't like how that bodes for UCLA. I mean, three days. Is it really three days plus travel? Uh, they looked, like I said, pretty tired Monday night. 
they're going to have to rely a lot on their defense. Luckily, they are 12th in adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Uh, right now, their record 20 and 5. They are 12 and 4 in conference. Again, one of those losses was to Oregon last time they hosted them. So hopefully, they can right the ship here. Uh, UCLA has been shooting a lot, lot better the last uh, three games. And that's been really interesting because of their kind of rotating carousel of a roster they've been dealing with. I said a couple weeks ago, Johnny Juzang needs more help on offense. Jalen Clark has this breakout game versus Washington uh, and Washington State. Continues versus ASU. Again, he shot 7 of 16 for 16 points versus ASU. He had 25 versus Washington, 18 versus Washington State. Um, and really impressive to see him kind of take on that responsibility when guys like Cody Riley and Johnny Juzang did not play on Saturday versus Washington. As I mentioned, Tiger Campbell, Peyton Watson did not play Monday. And Tiger Campbell also did not play last Thursday versus Washington State. That was supposedly due to violation of team rules. Um, and Johnny Juzang sitting out Saturday. There was no reason given for Cody Riley, I believe. But Johnny Juzang missing Saturday versus Washington was because he fell off a scooter, which I can't even get into about why why you, why you we even allow the athletes on scooters in Westwood. It is not a scooter-friendly area, let me just tell you. But I get why you'd need one because the hills are kind of, you know, not ideal. That said... Huge step up for Jalen Clark. David Singleton, too, versus Washington, which Washington was a dumpster fire. Let's call it what it was. But nevertheless, that's exactly what you need for someone like David Singleton to get really hot, get real comfortable. He was 6 of 8 from 3 for 23 points versus Washington. He only had 6 points versus ASU, uh, but I believe they were both 3s. I think he was 2 of 4 from 3. So he's kind of their hottest 3-point shooter at this point, which I'm all for because we don't see a lot of perimeter shooting from UCLA. Unless it's Johnny, and he's been really into kind of short jumpers a little bit more. Um, and same with Cody Riley. I don't know. I hate this mid-range game, but do what you got to do to win, I guess. That said, rotating roster for UCLA, real carousel up and down of lineups. And yet it's been working really well. Now, how is it going to look against this Oregon offense? Because they've been facing these teams that their only strength is defense, right? Washington State gave them a defensive effort. ASU gave them a really tough one. Oregon's not going to do that. Oregon's not going to have that. Oregon has tons of overs um, in their record books. They're 49th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 111th in defensive. So offense is going to actually be their strength here. It'll be interesting to see how UCLA matches up against a team that, you know, actually has an offense going for them. Oregon is shooting 52% effective field goal percentage. They are on a two-game losing streak right now, though. They lost to ASU and then Arizona last week, but they only lost to Arizona by three points. So that's dangerous. Really high-scoring game, like I said. Um, before those games, they barely beat Washington State. Uh, which I think Washington State has been real legit in this last stretch of, of games. And of the Pac-12 teams that are kind of in that middle-y bottom, they've been still fighting like they want a spot. And I think that that's been really fun to watch and impressive. Um, and before that, of course, uh, Oregon lost to Cal at home, which was a huge blow to kind of the run they had been on. They're 17-10 and 10 overall, and they're 10-6 and 6 in Pac-12 play. So it's tough. Because uh, you don't really know what team you're going to get on any given night. But you are going to get a team coached by Dana Allman, who's incredible. Uh, you are going to get a team that can score the ball. So can UCLA disrupt that enough? Because they didn't last time, right? Um, yeah. Like I said, this was pretty neck and neck uh, stat-wise. Shooting percentage-wise, UCLA didn't shoot a lot worse than Oregon did. Um 
Yeah. I mean, they only lost by three last time, but it was in the 80s, which is like how many UCLA games have gotten to the 80s on either side of thing, theirs or their opponents. So that's a little weird to me. I, like I said, I think that was uncharacteristic. I think that there was COVID concerns and we were in kind of a different situation. Now we're well, more than a month removed from that. And I think that we'll see UCLA's defense shore things up a bit. Um, to what extent, I'm not sure. It's going to be a battle of how good is Oregon's offense versus UCLA's really solid defense. I think that UCLA's defense will prevail to the point that maybe we can look to an under. I'm not sure what we'll see with the total. I'm guessing it's going to be above 135, close to 140 or so. Like I said, the last time they played, it was uh, 141 and a half. Over hit on that, obviously. Um I wonder if we're going to see something similar to that, 141, 141 and a half. Um, and if so, or even if this gets higher, I mean, for UCLA to win this game, it will have to go under. But they don't have, they will not have the legs, energy, offensive output to beat Oregon um, with just offense. They're going to have to have another incredible defensive performance, and I think they know that. Um, on the other side of things, a little problematic with the total, Oregon's defense leaves a lot to be desired. Four of their last six have gone over. But like I said, I think we'll see a much better looking Bruins defense this time around. If the total is as high as I expect, it will be 140s would be really tempting. Maybe there's an under here or a first half over. A first half over maybe because you would hope that things will shore up in the second. Um, keep in mind as far as the spread is concerned, Oregon's only covered one of their last six. I'm really interested to see what the odd makers make this line as as of late for Oregon because again, only losing by three to Arizona as 12 and a half point dogs. Um, but losing to Cal at home. Only thing I can take away from this really is if you look at Oregon as of late, they get up to play the big boys. They beat UCLA and USC back to back earlier this season. And most recently, like I said, lost to Arizona by three as 12 and a half point dogs. So all of that in consideration, plus the huge rest advantage over UCLA, uh, no travel for them. I like Oregon to cover. I don't know what we're going to see here. The last game, UCLA was a nine and a half point favorite. Obviously, they lost. Um, but now they're away. No home court factored in here, even though it shouldn't have been factored in, in the last game, really. Is this going to be seven and a half or eight? And if so, definitely think Oregon has a really, really, like, yeah, I like Oregon to cover here, absolutely. And that's weird because they've only covered one of their last six. So I'm just interested to see where the odds makers make this because if this is basically a line that expects too much of Oregon, if it's something like three or four, which that would be kind of crazy in favor of UCLA, then it's less tempting for me to take the Oregon side. Um, but yeah, if it's, if it's something like seven and a half, eight, that'd be interesting for me to look at Oregon. But again, follow me on Twitter if you want to see what I actually end up betting and sweating, as that usually is how it plays out. Let's talk about USC as well. USC basketball. A Sunday, they were in action. They nearly lost to Washington State. I told you, Washington State, kind of low-key legit. Like, this team is fighting. They're scrappy. They're scrappy. Their defense is is really nice. 62-60. Um, to 60, this one ended with Boogie Ellis. He hit that 16-foot jumper from the foul line with 0.2 seconds to win it. Close one. Dicey. Real dicey for USC. But Thursday, they're in action again, so at least they get some rest here before they go on the road. At Oregon State, the worst team in the Pac-12 right now. They are 3-22 overall in the season and 1-14 and in Pac-12 play. 
I had to double check that twice. I could not believe that is how bad Oregon State's been, unfortunately. USC, um, obviously in the top 20 now for the AP rankings. The last time these two teams played, Oregon State lost by 10, but the line was 14 and a half. USC uh, obviously did not cover, and the total went over 142 was the number there. Uh, USC, weird in this game. They actually didn't grab their first lead until about midway through the second half. Um, I remember watching this game. I think I ended up betting this live. I did. I bet this game live. It's coming back to me now. I'm like seeing this game. I'm like, why do I remember this second half? They were down the whole game. I didn't really, I was, I would think there was UCLA was playing that night as well. I was switching back and forth between the games and I got to, uh, you know, I was following though. And I'm like, why is USC still down? I'm still down, still down. We're in the second half, still down. I said, okay, well, I'm going to go in on USC now because now maybe with, you know, five, 10 minutes into the second half, I'm going to get a decent number or whatever on them. I go to look at it and lo and behold, I think I got USC like minus two and a half or something. And they won by what? What they won by 10. Um, so yeah, you got you got a good number on them, four and a half, I think, two and a half, who knows. But it was a really great number given that they ended up winning by 10. Um, they were coming off of 16 days off due to all the COVID-19 issues. And they also, like UCLA versus Oregon, they had only families and guests of players and coaches that were allowed to attend. So again, not a true game environment. Uh, maybe that factored in for them with that shaky start, especially, and also again, coming off of 16 days off. So... Not a lot to go on there because I think we're not going to see something similar with this matchup this time. Um, USC is 23-4 and four overall, 12-4 and four in the conference. They're 27th in Ken Palm, 37th in adjusted offensive efficiency at 111.8, and 43rd in adjusted defensive efficiency at 95.7. All of that to say, uh, I think this is USC's to cover, no matter what kind of crazy spread comes out of this. If we look at a couple of the trends here, USC is four and three ATS as an away favorite, very specific away favorite as they will be at probably double digits, better be double digits. Did you hear? Oregon State is one and 14, just a reminder. Meanwhile, USC is also four and four ATS with four or more days off, which is virtually useless trend because it's a coin flip at that point, but they have had several days off. I think it's going to be to their benefit in this situation. Um, Oregon State on the other side of things, uh, they've covered one of their last 10 games. One of their last 10. Four of those 10, they were favor or they were underdogs by nine and a half or more points. They got nine and a half, could not cover. Um, USC is going to be favored by more than nine and a half, obviously. Um, I wonder if we'll see something in the 14 range. The one out of the 10 that they covered most recently was when they were 23 and a half point dogs, I believe to Arizona. So <laughs> if they're getting 20 points, which they won't get versus SC, I don't think, then maybe worth a look. But other than that, this is just no matter how USC has been playing as of late, which by the way, has been a little bit lower scoring. Some of that you can chalk up to their great defense, but also, their scoring's been a little bit lower. We know that um, that Boogie's been dealing with a uh, nose injury, and he's been playing through that a little bit. So uh, not sure if that's been a factor for them. Uh, but their last my God, six games, only two of them have gone over. 
uh, which is unusual for this SC team. And maybe that's the lines kind of catching up to them as well. Um, but only two of their last six have gone over, interestingly enough. SC's actually not covered for two straight games and has covered one of their last four. I think this is where they get right. I think this is where it is um, because it's first Oregon State and purely for that reason and no other reason. Um, yeah, it's going to be 14 or higher. Uh, I've seen a lot of overs this season for Oregon State. Lowest total for them in the last four games was 137 and a half. They've all been higher than that. Uh, their defense is abysmal. It's just not, it's barely a defense, unfortunately. They're not going to be able to do much, I think, against SC. Again, what we saw from them in that last game, I think, was an aberration. Unusual circumstances. No fans coming off of 16 off of COVID. Um, and USC is in much better shape, better form here now. Um yeah, last time versus USC, the total was 142. It went over. I'd assume we see something similar here. I'd even look at an over first half bet, frankly, for this game because I think we're going to see a ton of points scored, at least on the USC side of things, uh, maybe on the Oregon State side of things, but I don't know because USC's defense actually been very, very solid lately. Um, but not, not anything that's jumping out to me necessarily. I do love the idea of an over first half bet, depending on what it is. If I can get something like under 70, that would be great. Like 68 or something, maybe. Because that first half last time was also really explosive. Again, unique circumstances. But uh, Oregon State's defense, still MIA. So maybe we see something like that. I, uh, I don't want to bet any of that. I do uh, want to see what this UCLA line ends up being. I'll be very interested to see how they are favored versus Oregon. Um both these games going on on Thursday. That is all for me. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles City Cast, especially the birthday episode. I appreciate that. Uh, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which means I will be back for more fun and games on Friday. Much older, much wiser. We'll preview Lakers Clippers for Friday night and Kings Ducks for the NHL enthusiasts. So please come on back for more of the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.